0: Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 16. The glamour was gone. Remember, this is three years later. We haven't heard shit in three years. The glamour was gone. The hair, the nails, the money. It was all a thing of the past, but the one thing that Mia Moore never lost, regardless of circumstance, was power. Mia Moore was the type of woman who always landed on her feet. They couldn't build walls tall enough to contain her. She was a giant. Mentally, she had been trained to withstand everything outside of death. Only God could touch her. Despite the physical restraints, Mia Moore still thrived. The prison sentence only made her legend greater. The women locked down with her worshipped her. Without even trying, she ran the prison. Of course she did. The guards didn't test her, and the inmates respected her. Mia Moore walked around like a giant inside the prison. The only thing she couldn't do was walk outside the gates, but everything inside the hellhole she had free reign over. Mia Moore made her way to the visitor's room, silently wondering who would come to see her. Whoever it was, she hoped they weren't expecting her to be as they remembered. The khaki uniform she wore was a size too big and swallowed her. The two cornrows she wore straight to the back did nothing to compliment her face. Mia was rough around the edges, thugging it, and it would be a long time before she would feel like the queen the Carter to portrayed her to be. Mia walked into the visitor's room and went down to her assigned window. Bree sat there, and Mia Moore rolled her eyes as she sat down, snatching the phone off the cradle. What are you doing here? It's been three years and I haven't seen your face, Breeze, Mia said. That's because I have my own set of bars to deal with, Breeze said. What? Mia Moore sat up, stunned by the revelation. What are you talking about? I'm in here so no one else has to be. You're supposed to hold down the kids. Yeah, well, the government had other plans for me. I did three years, Mia in South Carolina, Breeze said. Where are the kids? Where's CJ? Mia Moore's concern was evident. She wasn't easily rattled, but the thought of her son in the wrong person's hands made her feel with dread. CJ somehow ended up with Estes. Mo is in Juvie, and my daughter, Aurora, is with the Foster family. I don't know if I'll be able to get her back, Breeze whispered. Her chin quivered. Uh sounds like you're pretty certain you'd be able to get her back in the last uh chapter. Like you didn't sound too worried about that at all. Like you going to have somebody watching her house, so pull that shit off. Back up the tough talk, homie. I'm sorry, Breeze. I had no idea, Mia Moore said. She felt relief that her son was incapable of hands. She would have preferred that he was with Carter, but Estes was better than the alternative. For him to end up like Moe or Aurora would make every day of her sentence even worse. Estes wasn't a friend of hers, but he wasn't an enemy either. There were not many people she could say she trusted with CJ's life. Most would use him to make her pay for the many sins she had committed over the years. At least with Estes, he would live. And she hoped that he would soak up the game. The last thing she wanted was for her son to be out in the world living a false sense of security without protection. He had a killer's instinct in his blood. She just hoped he used it to survive. The little nigga's 11... Okay, like, what are we talking about here? He was 8 at first, now he's 11, and you're hoping that he's got the killer instinct inside of him that you put in him? Like, are we saying that murdering is genetic? Like, okay, I know. I know y'all niggas think that genetics are just magical things that cause things to happen. But, not always. Still takes practice, circumstance, and situation. And... If this nigga magically becomes a killer, I don't know. I don't know. Who has Aurora? Mia Moore asked. I gave birth to her in prison and was transferred to a county hospital in Charleston, South Carolina. There was a nurse there, Stephanie Wilkes. She fostered Aurora. She's raised her since then, and I don't think she's going to willfully give her back, Mia. I'm going to have to fight for my own daughter, and I'm going to lose. She has a job and a nice house. I need taxable income. I need something that I've attained on my own. I'm living in this filthy halfway house for the next few months. I'm a felon. I can't win this in court. They're never going to give her back to me. I don't know what to do, Breeze admitted. Mia Moore could see that Breeze was overwhelmed. She had never been the type to handle too much on her own. But there was also a change that didn't go unnoticed. Breeze had made it through a three-year stretch in prison without anyone from the cartel there to hold her hand. You'll get your daughter back, and when you do, you bring my niece here so I can see just how beautiful she is, Miamore said. I'm proud of you, Breeze. When you see him, let him know that I love him. Miamore knew that their conversation was being recorded, so she couldn't mention his name. But Breeze nodded. They both knew Carter was whom she spoke of. I'll tell them both. Bree said, letting me in more notes you would pass the word to CJ as well. I don't like the way that was written. Like, it was all in one paragraph and the when you see him let him know that I love him was literally the last part of that larger paragraph. Um, And so, they were talking about CJ initially. And then they started talking about Aurora. And then she said, when I see, when you see him Let him know that I love him. So, how we know that she was talking about Carter? I mean, I know that the very next thing that you put is that, but still, it doesn't read well. I don't know. I don't know. The lady sat and chatted for an hour. Over the years, they had battled each other as well as their enemies. But they were at a place where they truly shared a sisterhood. Mia more respected Breeze's innocence. What she once deemed as weak, she now knew was Breeze's greatest strength. Breeze possessed a vulnerability that the world stripped from most people. Even now, she sat across from Breeze. After all she had endured, she was still as delicate as the petal of the prettiest flower. Breeze hid her scars, masking her hurt, her past, and her flaws. Mia Moore wished she could camouflage her so well. When their time was up, Mia Moore felt a sadness fall upon her. Somehow, she knew this would be the last time she saw Breeze. For real? You're my sister, Breeze, and I love you. You're going to be a great mother. Just bide your time at the halfway house. And when the time is right, you'll have everything you want, including your little mama back home where she belongs, Mia Moore said. Take care of yourself, you hear me? We're all going in different directions. Even the boys have been split up. It's fucked up and it hurts, but it's life. We don't always get to keep the ones we love most, Mia Moore said as her thoughts drifted to Carter. It doesn't mean we love them any less. Breeze smiled. You're getting soft in here, Mia. Fuck out of here, Mia Moore replied as she stuck up her middle finger. They both laughed and placed their hands on the glass. Breeze withdrew first, hanging up the phone and standing to her feet. Mia Moore gave her a reassuring nod, letting Breeze know it was okay to leave her behind. When she was gone, Mia Moore sat there for a moment and lowered her head. It felt good to see a familiar face, but at the same time, Mia Moore wished Breeze had not come at all. Reminding her of the outside world, of her family, Breeds had triggered a yearning within Mia Moore that she wouldn't be able to fulfill. It only made things harder. It was a bittersweet reunion. Mia Moore stood and headed directly to her cell. Being locked up limited Mia Moore's reach on the streets of Miami, but luckily, she had been brought up with a gang of women who followed the same code she lived by. If one of them were free, all of them had a hand in the game, so anyone Mia Moore needed to touch, she could. Ares had typed out of the business and was lying low raising her son. Mia Moore hated to pull her back in, but she needed her to solve one last problem. She grabbed a blank piece of paper and pen before sitting on her bunk. She was about to send a kite to Ares. She knew it was selfish. Ares was trying to blend in and fly under the radar. She only kept coming back because it was Mia Moore who was calling. Mia Moore would do the same for Ares without thinking twice. Their bond was just that strong. Nobody knew the secrets they shared, like where the fuck Robin is and how she died. They had been running the streets with each other since they were young and reckless. The only thing to change was their age. Recklessness was a characteristic that made them infamous. No one else would take the jobs they accepted. No other killers, men or women, could compare. They were the best to ever live by the gun. Mia Moore needed her to come out of retirement for one final hit. So you're going to murder Stephanie? That's that's the plan? That's the goal here? Like, oh, yeah, she's not going to get her daughter back by any other means, so I better just murder the woman and get the goober out the way. For real? I better be wrong. I better be wrong. When Ares pulled the letter from the mailbox, And don't they read these letters when you send mail out of facilities? They literally check the letters before they send them out in the mail. They read them. They read anything that comes in too. To check for gang affiliations, activities, setups, things like this. How is this getting out without anybody having any information? When Aries pulled the letter from the mailbox, she already knew who it was from. There was no return address, but she recognized the beautiful cursive letters. There was only one person in the world who knew where to find her. Mia Moore, she thought. They had created an exit plan. Years ago, they had all pitched in to purchase a home for them to reside in after they retired from the streets. It was a big, beautiful six-bedroom house with 5,000 square feet. It had more than enough room for the original five murder mamas. Unfortunately, not all of them had made it to the end. Aries had tried to leave the game once before and chosen a different location to retire. It hadn't felt right to occupy the house she was supposed to share with her sisters without them. This time, however, she had come home, because memories of when they had first anteed up to buy the place made them feel closer to her. She had lost them all, most to the grave and me and more to the law. Aries was the last one standing, and although the past three years of her life had been normal, she was aware that one day... Miyamora would pull her back to the dark side. It was just what Mora did. Without even trying, the girl was trouble, but Ares loved the hell out of her troublesome ass. The letter was addressed to her alias. Ares had no qualms about the fact that Mora reached out. She knew that Miyamora had taken every precaution. She opened it. It was written in a way that only Ares could decipher. She was grateful for the school day because she would need a clear mind and time to decode the letter. The first character and every word need to be put together to find the real message. For real, that's, that's the code? You don't think the cops would have figured that out? Oh yeah, it's a super secret code. You'll never figure it out. Yeah, we, we wrote the words backwards. It's a super secret code. You'll never get it. Yeah, we use Pig Latin. It's a super secret code. You'll never, ever, 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 ever see it. Yeah, we use the first letters of each word. That's the best code you could come up with? For real? We did that when we were like 10 for fun. But also I used to make word crosses for fun. And give them to people. So I'm better than you. That's what I'm saying. I'm better than you with this. She knew me more taking every precaution. Get the fuck out of my face. It was written in a way that only Aries could decipher. Get the fuck out of my face with this bullshit. Like seriously, I'm really rubbing my temple. I should pinch the bridge of my nose. Aries sat down at the table with a highlighter and a pen. You can look at it. Never mind. It took her two goddamn hours. Y'all, it took her two hours to put this shit together. What in the fuck? It took her two hours to look at the first letter of each word in the letter and write them down. It took two fucking hours. Two Get the fuck out of my face. Y'all niggas better recognize that I'm not stupid and you're making Aerie sound real dumb as well as me and more with this real dumb deciphering shit. Oh yeah, do you have your super special secret code decoder ring that you get out the box of fucking Cracker Jacks, my nigga? Do you? Do you have your super special secret decoder ring? Huh? Huh? It took her two hours until she came up with something that made sense, nigga. It's the first letter of each fucking word. How does it take you that time to make sense? Do you have to descramble it? Like you didn't say that. You just said that every word, the first character in every word, need to be put together to find the real message. You didn't say it need to be decoded or descrambled. You didn't say it was a word jumble. Y'all niggas. Aries grabbed the lighter and put flame to the paper, allowing it to burn in her kitchen sink, erasing all evidence that it ever existed. She didn't want to step out of the shadows. She enjoyed this pretend life she had manufactured for herself and her son. In Michigan, she was a normal woman with a normal life. Her normalcy would have to be put on pause as she dug into the deepest part of herself to bring out the killer inside. Why would they be in Michigan? Why would they choose to put together a spot in Michigan? I know that Ashley and Jaquavis live in Michigan. I'm aware of that. But why would the murder mamas who are in New York decide to buy a spot in Michigan? Why would they, from New York to Miami to L.A., buy a spot in Michigan? And I'm not saying anything bad about Michigan. I'm just saying if nobody's ever lived there, why would they be like, you know what would be a good spot? Michigan. Nobody ever looked for us there. You know where they also wouldn't look for you? New Mexico, Oklahoma, Texas. I'm just naming states. I don't know. The night was still, and the only sound that could be heard was a distinct chirping of crickets as they serenaded the neighborhood. Ari sat in the stolen car, listening to the sound. Oddly, it calmed her. Her eyes never moved from the house and sat on the cul-de-sac in the middle-class neighborhood. She checked her watch. It was close to midnight. The lights had been out for over an hour, so she was sure that everyone inside was asleep. She had found the woman's address with a simple Google search. Mia Moore had provided the name and the city, and it was enough for Aries to take care of the rest. She exited the car. Her Timberland boots hit the ground, and with determination, she zipped up her hoodie. She tucked the 45 in the back of her waistline and headed towards the house. Just like riding a bike, she whispered. She hopped the fence and made her way around the back of the house. The stealth she moved with made her undetectable. She pulled a cell phone jammer. She flipped the switch and planted it in the dirt behind the house. By the time it was found, Aries would be long gone. She then cut internet access to the home. If there was a home alarm, It wouldn't work without being online. Um, yes it would, because some people still have that wired phone just so then they could fucking have an alarm system set up to it. Sorry. She pulled out a lockpick and opened the back door with ease before walking inside. She stood still as she adjusted to the sounds of the house. Every house made them, and she needed to be able to distinguish between footsteps and creaks. She didn't move, as she soaked up the environment. She barely breathed. When she was sure that the house was undisturbed, she took a seat at the kitchen table. She pulled the gun and placed it on the table. Ares had learned long ago to wait for her prey to come to her. She didn't want to go venturing through someone else's house to find them. Home court advantage mattered. Since this is something that had to take place inside this woman's home, Ares would control the space deciding where and how the inevitable altercation would go down within these walls. Ares looked at the glass centerpiece in the middle of the table and then pushed it off, causing the glass to shatter. The commotion it caused did exactly what she intended. It woke up her victim. A yellow glow came from the hall as someone turned on the light. Aurora, baby? Are you in the kitchen? The woman stepped out into view. Have a seat, Stephanie Wilkes, Aries said. Ares greeted her as if this were her house, as if she hadn't just broken in. The authority in her voice made it clear that she meant business. Or do you prefer Steph? Ah! Steph shouted, her voice a mixture of fear and surprise. Her eyes shot to the gun and then to the door. Ares could tell she was weighing her options. They all did it. Every single one of the people she had ever pulled a gun on always had the split second where they had to decide to fight or flee. My trigger finger is quicker than you. Don't run. You won't make it, Ares warned. Please, please. I have a daughter, Steph began. You have a choice to make right now, Ares said, unmoved by the emotion Steph showed. What do you want? I don't have any money, Steph pleaded. That's okay, Ares said as she sat casually at the dining room table, her hand wrapped around the handle of the gun that she let rest on the table. I accept diamonds. Steph frowned in confusion. Aries was used to seeing fear on the faces of her victims. She had been doing this so long that she could smell it in the air. What you're going to do is get the little girl out of the room and get her birth certificate, Aries said. What? No, please. She's just a child, Steph protested. But she isn't your child, so you won't risk your life for hers, will you? Aries tested. She didn't feel good about taking his kid from a safe home and returning her to a world of danger and chaos. Aries wanted to see Steph love Aurora in a way that would make her abort her plan. If this woman proved that she loved Aurora like a real mother would, Aries will walk away without disrupting the only world Aurora knew. I can take you or I can take her, Aries said. What's it gonna be? Aries knew the answer before Steph even responded. She could see it in the woman's eyes that Steph wasn't the self-sacrificing type. Please, Steph whispered. Aries was too seasoned to be affected by Steph's pleas. They were just words. Words unsubstantiated were just phrases. She required action. Aries pointed her gun. Just take her, Steph shouted. Aries scoffed as she lowered her weapon. Psst. Go get the girl and the birth certificate. I'm taking her back to her real mother. You won't say anything about this. You'll go on collecting the checks from the state, Aries said. She reached into her jacket pocket and pulled out an envelope full of money. That's 50000 It's for your trouble over the past three years, she explained. The state will come looking for her, Steph protested. You will not believe how a little bit of money makes problems like that go away, Aries said. If Breeze hears from you again or you bother her about her daughter in any way, you'll find me sitting in your kitchen again one day. Next time, I'm only coming for one thing. I will kill you without losing sleep, without thinking twice, without regret. Do you understand? Steph nodded. I understand. Ari stood and approached Steph as she removed zip ties from the back pockets of her jeans. She roughly grabbed the woman's wrists and tied them to each other before pushing her to the floor forcefully and then tying her wrists to her feet. She walked to the back of the house and grabbed the sleeping Aurora from her bed. Where's the birth certificate? Aries asked. Kitchen drawer, Steph replied with tears in her eyes. Aries retrieved it and then walked out the door. Okay, so you tell her all this stuff. You give her money. You tell her if she says anything, she's going to uh, get murdered. I don't think she was going to tell. So when you hog tie her with zip ties and leave her in the kitchen on the floor and she doesn't show up for work the next day, somebody's going to come looking for her. And when they come looking for her, they're going to be alarmed because she's literally hogtied to the floor in the kitchen. And then they're going to ask, what the fuck happened to you? And where's Aurora? And they're not going to take no for an answer because they're going to think that she got hogtied and Aurora got kidnapped. And now all of a sudden, the law's on you. Not her fault. If you had just left her standing with $50,000, as you saw she was willing to punk out to save her own life and to get the money, she wouldn't have said shit, I don't think. But now she has to say something. Oh, how the mighty had fallen, Breeze thought as she cleared the dirty place from the table and picked up the $5 of patrons that left behind as a tip. Breeze had never thought she would find herself in this place. She had taken so many things for granted, she had been so spoiled. Breeze shook her head as she tucked the money into her apron before heading back into the kitchen. She dumped the dishes in the sink. They aren't going to load themselves. She turned to see her boss, a miserable old Russian woman who nitpicked Breeze to death. I'm not a dishwasher. You hired me to wait tables, Breeze replied. And I can fire you just as fast, the woman stated with a new port cigarette hanging from her mouth. And where's Aurora going to go? She must go back with Aries because Breeze is in a halfway house that doesn't accept children. She said that. So three months, I guess she's going to go back with Aries. That's all I'm going to think. Breeze sighed as she turned to begin the tedious task of loading the dishwasher. She didn't want trouble. She was simply trying to play by the rules the state had laid out for her. She was establishing employment. Since she was a felon, this was the best she could do. No one else would hire her. Bree kept her mouth closed and did her job. Not only did she need things to look good on paper, she needed the money. She didn't want to take the risk to reach out to Estes. The feds couldn't touch Estes, but they had their suspicions about his involvement with the cartel. Yeah, because niggas literally turned state's evidence on him. Ain't that what Polo did? Polo snitched on him? Or was it Mecca? I think it was Polo. Yeah, Polo set that nigga up. That was the last time we saw Polo. Was when he told Carter, stay away from Estes. I done set up a whole deal against this nigga. So they already know. So there's criminal connections. You can go, you can go. You just gonna get picked up pretty soon too, I guess. Unless the Dominican cartel doesn't have extradition. I guess I don't know. I don't. I don't fucking know. I'm not a criminal. I don't. I don't know these things. Breeze didn't want any criminal connections to her family to ruin her chance to getting Aurora back. <laughs> the criminal connection is how you got Aurora back, nigga. Got him. So she struggled. Instead of taking her place back on the throne, she pretended that she was a regular girl. Normalcy felt strange. She had never taken orders or punched a time clock or had anyone speak to her in a way that was anything other than kind. I should just I should just record myself saying, but what about when she was sex trafficked and forced to do drugs and was being assaulted by Mati And all that stuff. I should just record it so I don't have to keep saying it. Because they literally act like it never happened. Yeah, no one's ever talked to her less than kind. Ever. Breeze knew the adjustment and the sacrifice would all be worth it once her daughter was back in her life. She had to keep the bigger picture in mind to stop her from walking out of this place. Breeze took the extra hour to clean the dishes without complaint. I'm rushing home to an empty apartment anyway, she thought. She had transitioned from the halfway house and into a duplex house where she rented out the top unit. How? What? When? When did she go see Mia Moore? Like, so she saw Steph and then she flew to see Mia Moore or went to see Mia Moore. How much time passed? Because from what we heard, it was three months. It was three months. That she couldn't... That she had to be in a halfway house, right? Hold on. Yeah. She literally was telling Bernice on page 221. We're on page 230 now, so it wasn't that fucking long ago. About how she was living in a halfway house for the next few months. And then, me and Moore, the very next page, tells her, you know, bide your time at the halfway house. And when the time is right, you'll have everything you want, including your little mama. So... Did it take a few months for the letter to be coded correctly? Did she have to like write down the words like and then write them again to make sure she had all the letters she needed? Like what took so long? Anyhow, she got a spot now. Ain't that special? No one had gotten it for her. She had worked countless hours and saved her tips to save up for it. Oddly enough, with this plain white wall, small bathroom, and itchy carpet, it made her proud. She had decorated the tiny second bedroom for Aurora to give her hope that one day they could be a family. Breeze finished up her shift and pulled off the apron before exiting the diner. Tired was an understatement. With the smell of grease in her hair and aching feet, she couldn't wait to make it home. The sound of the bell above the door ringing signified the end of a slaving day. She checked the time on her phone. "'Damn,' she muttered, knowing she had already missed the last bus. "'She would have to walk the three miles back to her place. "'Need a ride?' Breeze turned in shock. She recognized that accent. She found Ares waiting for her, leaning against an S-Class Mercedes. Breeze sighed in relief. "'You don't even know how much you say in my life right now,' she said. "'I just missed the last bus.' "'Wow,' Aries said. "'Hell must have frozen over twice.' I forgot about this shit. I didn't forget about this shit. I just didn't want to do this shit. Me never thought me would see the day when Breeze Diamond set her pretty ass on the city bus. Aries was in her comfort zone and fell back into her natural tongue around Breeze. Breeze smirked and shook her head as she walked towards Aries. Yeah, that makes two of us. Aries walked around to the driver's side. I've got something in the back seat for you, she said. Breeze opened the back door to the car and her heart stopped. Mid-beat, mid-breath, her entire body froze as she stared at the sleeping Aurora. What did you do? Breeze asked. If Steph is dead and Aurora's missing, they'll come looking for me. Steph isn't dead and no one's going to come looking. You know how me work. All eyes were dotted, all T's were crossed. She's yours now, Aries said. Breeze rushed around the car and hugged her friend so tightly. She didn't care that Ares wasn't the hugging type. She held on to her long and hard as joy overflowed from her. Okay, that's enough, Ares said, uncomfortable. Breeze laughed as tears flowed. Thank you. Thank Mia. She called the play. Me just executed it, Ares informed. Breeze smiled. Of course, she said. I don't want to wake her. She's going to be so confused. How do I explain this to her? She will be fine. I've got a red eye out of Miami. Can you drop me at the airport? Aries asked. Drop you? You picked me up, Breeze stated in confusion. The car's yours too. Courtesy of Mia Moore, Aries stated. We plan for downfall the same way we plan for the come up. There's a hundred thousand dollars in your daughter's birth certificate under the pasture seat for you. I can't take the money. It's too much, Breeze said. It's from Mia Moore's personal stash. She can't use it where she's at. If you need more, I won't, Breeze interrupted. It's more than enough to get me on my feet until I can figure some things out. Breeze was stunned at me and more in Airy's generosity. You didn't have to do this for me. We've had our differences in the past. That's water under the bridge. We're family. As a matter of fact, get your baby home. I'll catch a cab. Chew out your back out there, Breeze, Airy said. Breeze nodded as she watched Ares walk away. She was so grateful. Breeze looked in the back of the car. She had never been so filled with love. To have a second chance at motherhood was a dream come true, and as she climbed into the car, she promised herself she wouldn't mess this up. She felt guilty because she knew that this was not the way things were supposed to be. Aurora was being passed from one person to the next, when all along she should have been with both of her parents under the same roof. Breeze a plan to show her daughter the finest example of love. Now she could barely deliver the bare necessities to her. Well, you know, you could always deliver her to her dad since you're talking about having both parents there. I'm just saying, like, you just dipped out on the nigga because he's a snitch. Yeah, he's a snitch. But he was snitching for you. I would have thought that that would have overwhelmed everything else. Like, he was snitching for me, so technically I can't be mad at him because he's doing it for me. She remembered how happy Zaire had been when she had shared the news of her pregnancy. It saddened her that she and Zaire hadn't reached their full potential. Love wasn't enough to keep them together, especially when disloyalty and deceit had pulled them apart. He still deserves to know his daughter, she thought. Even after all this happened, I have no right to keep her from him. Breeze wanted to walk away into the sunset with her child, but she knew it wasn't right. She had to give him the opportunity to feel this love she felt because it reminded her that the love she had shared with him wasn't always a lie. Aurora was a walking, talking example of the best parts of them, and as much as Breeze wanted to, she couldn't be selfish with that type of love. For the first time since the day she walked out on Zaire after finding out he was a snitch, Breeze made up her mind to go back. Not for herself, but for their daughter. This didn't mean they had to reunite, but she owed it to her child to give her a father. Although Zaire had broken the rules of the street, she had no authority to punish him by removing his right to father her child. Butterflies formed in her stomach. Just the thought of seeing Zaire made her nervous. It was miraculous that he was still alive. After a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head, he was supposed to be dead. And now she had to face him, knowing that she had left him there to die. So... Okay, I guess that that's like it for Mia Moore for this book because they're talking about that she's never going to see Breeze again which means they gave a more like 10, maybe 15 minutes in this book overall and that's shitty because it's like once Carter's no longer in her life or Carter's no longer in her vicinity for her to ruminate on, what more does she have? So y'all just made her into the boss of all bosses in prison because you already killed off the one person who was like, we can get her out of jail if you complete this mission for us. So I guess y'all were just writing her off early and often, but that ain't cool. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I hope she pops back up later on because her being her only showing up in this chapter literally to be the fairy godmother for Breeze. And know just how to get in contact with Stephanie to get Aurora back is iffy, if not far-fetched. So, I didn't like that. I don't like that at all. Mia Moore deserves better. And y'all deserve to give her. Y'all don't deserve nothing. Y'all wrote the book. But y'all should give her better. Y'all should care about your characters enough to where you want them to have better than what y'all are doing, which is literally just haphazardly dropping people off at the curb. Like they're your uh, stepchild's ex-boyfriend going to the bus stop because they didn't have gas money to drive themselves there after they broke up with your your stepchild. Yeah, I said it. I'm going to stand by it too. Chapter 17 This was a day the Breeze never thought she would see. As she stood outside the rehabilitation center, she tried to talk herself into walking inside. Just put one foot in front of the other, Breeze thought. It had been so long since she had seen his face, and still she couldn't find forgiveness. This was a meeting that could no longer be avoided, however. Breeze stood frozen in place as Aurora held her hand. Breeze? It hurt her heart that Aurora wouldn't call her mommy, but she wouldn't force it. She knew that everything had happened so fast for her baby. They both needed time to adjust to their new life together, and Breeze would be patient. She prayed she could nurture her relationship with Aurora. Yes, baby, Breeze answered, slightly distracted as she stood outside the building, looking up at it in intimidation. Where are we? Aurora asked. This is where your daddy is, baby. I think it's time you meet him, Breeze said. I have a daddy, Aurora asked in shock. She put her hands on the side of her face as her mouth fell open in surprise. Get the fuck out of my face. Seriously? Okay, fine. Of course you do, and he loves you so much. We both do, Breeze assured her. You want to go meet him? Aurora nodded her head in excitement as she pulled Breeze down a long hallway that led to the door. Breeze was glad that Aurora was so eager. If it hadn't been for her, Breeze would have certainly changed her mind. She walked into the building and was greeted by a friendly face. An older black woman sat behind the desk wearing scrubs and a smile. Hi, I'm here to see Zaire Rich. Breeze said the words in a whisper as butterflies danced in her stomach. She had spent so much time hating him that she had forgotten how much she loved him. Thoughts of the days when she used to worship him played through her mind, and she drew in a deep breath to try and calm herself. There was no making sense of the many emotions she felt. It was because of Zaire at the feds to gain leverage on the cartel. Uh, he was the weak link that caused a chain to break uh, and Breeze had judged him heavily for it. I mean, yeah, but his weakness was you. It, you could have looked for your keys. You could have asked him, yo, is there anything in the trunk? You know who you're working, you know who you're married to. Yo, you got anything in the trunk before I dip out? I'm just saying. His character was flawed, and even though he did it all for her, she still blamed him for it all. That's dumb. So many people have suffered from the fallout from Zaire's actions. Aurora was one of them. Wow, Mr. Rich hasn't had a visitor the entire time he's been here. It'll be good for him, the woman responded. I need you to fill out these forms and I'll let his recovery team know you're here. Thank you, Breeze replied. Breeze remembered the day she had left Zaire as if it had happened yesterday. It was as if years hadn't passed him by, as if the wound from his betrayal was still fresh. Breeze had left him upon discovering his deceit, and when she heard the gunshot ring out as she stepped into her car, she assumed he was dead. Zaire had lived but Breeze hadn't even gone back to make sure he was okay. She simply walked away and tried to erase him from her memory. Her family, her brothers came first, and part of her felt guilty for putting her family name over her given one. There was no way the daughter of Carter Diamond could be with a snitch, but as she sat silently waiting for this reunion, she realized how much she still cared. A doctor came out. Mrs. Rich? It's Diamond. It's Diamond. But you could just call me Breeze, she said as she stood and shook the man's hand. This is my daughter, she paused. Zaire's daughter, Aurora. It's very nice to see you both. I want to prepare you for what you're about to see. I know it's been some time since you've seen Zaire. He's healing, more and more every day, but he still has a long way to go. He's very lucky to be alive. He has 12 surgeries since the shooting, so there's some scars and there was damage to his... Please, just take me to him, Breeze insisted. If the doctor kept warning her, she might lose her nerve. It's amazing how, after three years, he still shows scars like things actually happened to him. I didn't think this book, I didn't think this series, I didn't think the writers were capable of that kind of shit. Because somebody got to ask what with the chain. The doctor nodded in understanding. Of course. This way, he said. Breeze picked up Aurora. Her three-year-old frame fit awkwardly in Breeze's arms. Aurora was too big to be picked up. My mother would call it spoiling her, Breeze thought, but Breeze lost so much time with her daughter that she made an exception. She wanted to feel like she could get those vital years back. She had missed so many important things, and as she walked towards Zaire's room, she wondered if they would ever be able to get back what they had. Breeze knew they couldn't but she couldn't help but wonder what their life would be like if Zaire hadn't turned on the family. The doctor led her to a room at the end of the hall and knocked once before entering. Zaire, you have some visitors today, he announced. Breeze's heart felt like it was caught in a vice grip. Her queasy stomach made bile back up in the back of her throat. She stepped inside the room, and everything she had rehearsed went out the window. My God, she whispered. She had never allowed herself to think about Zaire. All she knew was that he had survived, but as she stood there in front of him, she felt the need to mourn. This beautiful man, who had loved her, held her, encouraged her, taught her, had suffered greatly. She crossed the room without realizing it. She reached out to touch his face. His handsome face was swollen from the most recent surgery he had endured. White bandages covered one side of his crooked face. His eye drooped on one side. Breeze's lip quivered as her eyes teared. It's been three years. I didn't expect... The healing process is extensive. He came out of surgery to reconstruct the right side of his face. The trajectory of the bullet left him with no bone structure around his eye socket. We had to go in and reshape his face. He lost half his tongue, and half his teeth were blown out. He had to learn to walk again, to control his bodily functions. The brain is a computer to the body. We had to teach him to recode it. He's been through a lot, and it's come a long way. It's been three years, but it's been a very long three years, the doctor explained. Okay, so I just went back and looked, because it turns out that Mecca did not whip her with the chain. That was part of her dream sequence. What he did to her was he choked her with the chain, but... I mean, you can understand the confusion, right? Since we don't know what was a dream and what was reality. Who is she? His voice made her heart flutter. It had been so long since she had heard it. But the words he spoke caused a devastation so great, she had to put Aurora down. Breeze wasn't sure she could support her own weight. Her legs were weak. It's me, Zai. It's Breeze, she whispered. She stared in his eyes as she touched his face gently. He rested his head in the palm of her hand, leaning into her. His body language shows that he's familiar with you. He's comfortable with you, but he can't remember who you are. The bullet damaged his temporal lobe, which affected his long-term memory. He's fine with everything that happened after the incident, but people, places, names, everything before the shooting is lost to him. It would have been beneficial if family would have been here as visual cues to help stimulate that part of the brain when it first happened, but it's been three years. He doesn't know me, Breeze whispered in disbelief as she began to cry. Zai, how can you not know me? They told you that he didn't know you, and you were like, cool, I want to get a divorce because I'm not walking into jail with no snitch-ass niggas name. Remember? You got what you wished for. He stared at her blankly. It's me, Zaire. Don't apply too much pressure on him. Patience is important, the doctor said. I'll give you some time with him. Just call a nurse if you need anything. Breeze willed herself to stop her tears. They wouldn't do anyone any good. She didn't want to make him feel as if his progress so far was not enough, but finding him here like this was devastating. She felt empty. All this time he's been here like this, and I've been hating him. This is punishment enough, she thought. Who are you, Ma? he asked. The question made her smile. He couldn't connect to his memories of her, but indirectly he still touched her soul. Breeze didn't know how to answer the question. How do I tell him that I divorced him because he snitched on my family? How do I tell him about the family, the drugs, the money, the wars, if he doesn't remember that stuff? We can start with your name, beautiful, Zaire said, interrupting her thoughts. It was hard for him to speak clearly with the bandages wrapped around his head and face, also with only half a tongue. He sounded different, more guttural, as if talking took effort. His smooth voice is now a deep baritone that Breeze barely recognized. My name is Breeze, and we used to be... Before Breeze could get her answer out, a nurse walked into the room. Hey, handsome. Breeze frowned at the informal greeting as a beautiful woman walked into the room. Her dark skin was flawless, and she had the darkest eyes Breeze had ever seen. The dimples that sunk into her cheeks as she smiled, complimented her petite lips and perfect teeth. Breeze recognized the look in the woman's eyes. It's what it looked like when you were loved by Zaire Rich. Jealousy seared Breeze. Why? 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 Why I don't I don't understand why I'm just asking why. Hey, baby," Zaire responded. His greeting caused Breeze a recoil as she drew in a sharp breath. She watched as the nurse leaned over to kiss his lips. She was so comfortable, too comfortable with Breeze's man. Breeze was sick to her stomach. Let me introduce you to somebody," Zaire said. What was your name again? His question reminded Breeze to breathe, and she exhaled, trying to manage the infection of heartbreak that was spreading through her. Breeze, she said in a low tone. I'm Breeze. Breeze, this is Kai, he introduced. Breeze could tell from the tone of Zyra's voice that he had no idea how badly he was breaking her on the inside. The woman who saved my life. She hasn't left my side since the day I got here. Even on her off day, she sits here, all day and all night. She's fed me, bathed me, prayed over me. I heard her voice when I couldn't open my eyes, and it kept me from walking over to the other side. She's always here when I need her. There was so much admiration in his voice. So much love in his face, he gazed at this woman. Stop it, Zaire. You make me sound like a stalker, Kai responded. She smiled, and Breeze was taken aback by her beauty. Breeze didn't even want to shake the woman's hand as she extended it. Reluctantly, Breeze accepted the greeting. It's nice to meet you, Breeze. I'm so glad someone from Zaire's family is here. Are you his sister? Breeze wanted to pop this bubble that the girl lived in. Bitch, I'm his wife, she thought. She wished she could haul the words at this beautiful, regal queen, but she couldn't. Breeze wasn't Zaire's wife. She had made sure of that. But now that she sat there looking at Zaire loved someone the way he used to love her, she mourned. She wanted to be mad. She wanted to fuck this woman up and reclaim her spot, but how could she? This woman had been by Zaire's side during the most trying times of his life. She had nursed him back to health. She had stuck by him and done the job Breezer refused. So instead of throwing her real identity into the mix, she simply smiled. Just an old friend. Isn't that the premise of, um, Acrimony? Is that the, is, is, is that the, the movie where... Taraji found her way onto that boat. (laughs) But isn't the premise that um, Taraji was with him, with her husband, uh, through all the hard times, and then she left him right before he struck it rich with his invention that didn't work for like 30 fucking years and shit? It's a horrible movie. I can't wait to make fun of it on Hindsight. And is that your daughter? Kai asked. Breeze picked Aurora up and nodded. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting late, and I really should get going, Breeze said as she stood to her feet. Breeze knew she had no right to walk back into Zaire's life demanding a position. He still had a lot of healing to do, and he had found someone who could help him do that. Breeze felt selfish for wanting to interrupt that. She hadn't wanted Zaire. She had deemed him unworthy of her because he had snitched. She had written him off and erased him from her life with ease. It wasn't until she saw him happy with someone else that she realized what she had lost. Kai frowned. I didn't mean to interrupt your visit. I can come back. You should stay and finish spending time with him, she offered. Yes, yeah, stay. I feel like there's things you haven't said, Zaire interrupted. Like, I can feel that we used to be close, but I just need you to fill in the blanks. Bree sniffled as a tear fell and she quickly swiped it away. There aren't enough words to fill in all the blanks and all the things I want to say, she whispered. She cleared her throat. I can't interrupt his life, his recovery, his relationship with this girl, Breeze thought. She wanted to be bitter. No, she wanted to slap the perfect smile off this girl's face, but she held her tongue. I made my choice. Now I must live with it. This girl was taking her place, loving her man, and there wasn't a damn thing Breeze could do about it. To do anything other than walk away would be selfish. An awkward energy filled the room. Maybe I should come back later, Kai said. No. Kai stopped Breeze from speaking. No, I insist. She bent down and adjusted Zaire's pillows before kissing his lips quickly. I'll be back, handsome. Breeze watched her walk out. She seems nice. Yeah, she is, Zaire answered. He stared at Breeze unflinchingly making her look away first. It was like he was beckoning her with his eyes. Even under all the bandages, he was still the puppeteer to her heart. I used to love you, he said, in a matter-of-fact way. In the most perfect way, Breeze replied. You are my very best friend, Zai. I know you don't remember what happened, but when you think of me, know this, I'm sorry. Breeze was crying effortless tears. They just fell from her eyes, like a leak from an old sink, one after another. She carried Aurora's dead weight in her arms, and she was grateful that the Sandman had lulled her daughter to sleep. I love you, and I'm sorry. I'm glad you found a woman like Kai. She feels right for you. She saw the confusion in his eyes, and she turned for the door. As she opened the door, his voice stopped her. I don't know much... I shouldn't say it like Aaron Neville. I'm going to stop myself. I can't help it. There was a song that literally had these lyrics I don't know much, but I know I love you too. That's the only way to explain this heaviness in my chest. And every step you take in walk walkout right now is making me feel like I can't breathe, Ma, Zaire said. The lyrics were I don't know much. But I know I love you. And that may be all I need to know. I've never actually heard the song. It was just on one of those BET commercials. Like the, uh, I'm going up on the rough side of the mountain. And Al Green, I know that everything is going to be all right. He's coming back. That commercial. Not the other commercial where the guy's like, Hey man, let me brawl this out. Nah, my brother, you gotta get your own. Y'all ain't know the B E T I know. Sorry. Breeze turned to face him, but she didn't close the gap between them. Everything in her wanted to run to her man. She wanted to confess her love and fix things between them. But to do that, she would have to explain to him where things had gone wrong. She would have to dig up the past and tell him who he was before he had swallowed a bullet. She would have to admit that she left him there to die. Breeze had been so callous that she hadn't even gone back after hearing the gun go off. Yeah, we heard that like a lot now. Breeze would destroy the promising love he was growing with the woman who genuinely loved him to rekindle a flame that she had purposefully snuffed. So instead of doing what she wanted, she did what was right. Goodbye, Zai, she whispered sorrowfully. Breeze rushed out of the room before she changed her mind. She sobbed the entire way out. When she got to the parking lot, she heard a voice calling her name. Breeze! She turned to see Kai chasing after her. That's his daughter, isn't it? Kai confronted. I don't know you, and this isn't your business, Breeze defended. He probably can't see it because he isn't in his right state of mind. He's on pain medication and recovering from surgery, but it's clear as day. You come in here after three years with a toddler, you could barely look at him without crying. He had a ring on the spring of the day he was admitted. He was married, and you're his wife, and this is his kid. Kai was so spot on with her accusations that Breeze couldn't defend herself with a lie. There was no point. They both knew that everything Kai was saying was fact. Look, just go back in there. You're asking for something that you don't want. Just take care of him. He deserves to be happy, Breeze said. How can I keep this secret from him? How can I go back in there and build a relationship with this in the shadows? Kai asked. Because this is the only way you get to have a relationship with him, Breeze shouted in frustration. If I tell him about who I am, who this little girl is, Breeze paused as she lowered her voice. She wasn't trying to fight with this woman. If I bring out those emotions and those memories in him, he won't stand a chance. The love I have with him is like the sun. It burns everything up in its path. It's consuming and brilliant and intense and... Her voice drifted because she could go on and on. If I tell him, he will love me with every piece of himself and that leaves nothing for you. If he has to choose between his old life with me and a new one with you, he'll always choose me. So just thank me and let me walk away. Breeze wasn't being arrogant. She was simply telling the truth. No matter if he remembered her or not, his heart could feel her, and Breeze would bet her life on it. She could tell that her words had injured Kai, but she had asked, and Breeze had answered. If you're so sure, then why are you running away? Why not just take your man back? Kai asked. Breeze could see that Kai was threatened. It wasn't her intention, but Kai had every reason to worry. Because too much has happened. Some things are meant to remain secrets of the past. Don't tell him about me or about her. Give me your word, Breeze said. Yeah, somebody you've never seen before and will never see again. Give me your word, you won't say anything about us at all. Pinky swear. Kai was silent for a long time, and Breeze gave her a few moments away to weigh the options in her head. Breeze knew what decision she would come to. Kai did not want to lose the possibility of a life with Zaire. Self-gain always won out in the end. I won't say anything, Kai said. Of course you won't, Breeze said. She walked away with sadness, rising with each step she took. Breeze had lost a lot in her lifetime. It seemed that she could never truly find a happiness to call her own. There was always a piece missing, but she told herself that no one could have it all. She had Zaire's seed, and that meant she would always have a piece of him. So, when the days grew long and her heart grew weary, she would be able to look in Aurora's eyes and know that once upon a time, she had been loved, and in return, had loved someone. She had walking, talking proof, and as Breeze placed her baby in the car seat and walked around to enter the driver's side, she took one last look up at the building. Zaire was right inside. All she had to do was go back for her man, but she knew that she couldn't. She knew that she shouldn't. It was just she and her daughter, and she realized that was enough. Breeze was tired. She was ready to live a whole new life. She had made plans to go find Estes and reunite with her family, but she just couldn't. She didn't want any reminders of the tumultuous past. Breeze decided right there and then. As she pulled away, the Zaire, the cartel, and even her last living brother, Carter, will remain in her rear view. She had her daughter, and she had the future ahead of her. It was all she needed. I'm not mad at y'all if y'all are literally uh, ending the, the series after this book. Actually, I'm grateful. I'm hella thankful But I've seen ahead, bitch, and I know y'all have another goddamn book. I know there's another three books, so what the fuck are we doing? What are you doing? How are you closing out all chapters? There's literally 15% of this book left. How are you closing out all chapters and you still have books left? That makes no sense. She decided at that moment after seeing Zaire that she wasn't going to go see her grandfather and she wasn't going to go see her nephew and she was just going to leave all that behind and it was just going to be her and her daughter. Mia Moore knew when she saw Breeze that that would be the last time she ever saw Breeze ever again. Come on now, y'all. This is just... You know what? I just feel like y'all wrote it like like I'm talking and then... I realized this would be the last time I would say I was talking ever again. Like, what? That came out of nowhere. This whole segment came out of nowhere. Her and Kai came out of nowhere. I know there's more books, so I can't even get excited that y'all are wrapping shit up. I'm just scared of how y'all are going to fuck shit up in the future with nobody to lean back on. But I mean, y'all started this way back in book six when y'all killed money uh, out of nowhere just had him go out and die at suicide by a cop and then had murder murder himself and then had fly boogie get killed oh yeah he got shot by me and more and have all these things y'all wrapping up stuff so quickly that it's like why y'all even do another book Y'all are literally speeding through your book at the speed of light to try and wrap shit up, but why? If y'all didn't want to do anymore, don't do anymore. Are y'all under contract or something? Bye, Breeze. She just like, fuck my nephew who's in jail. Fuck my cousin, or fuck my nephew who's out there with my grandfather. I'ma just go with my daughter with no money after this 100 k which ain't gonna last long anywhere she goes, and we're gonna live our own life. miss me i never thought that this is gonna be as frustrating as it was like it's not even funny it's just disappointing 916-633-1537 and ratchet at gmail.com ratchet book club on twitter ratchet book club on facebook Leave a review on the Spotify app. It only takes like 13 seconds. Literally, if y'all are listening to this on Spotify, just scroll to the top of the page where my podcast is, where the, the picture for this podcast is, and there should be a number five underneath it. Tap the five. Tap five stars. That's it. You can also leave a review on Podchaser. You can copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts and then copy and paste that into good Pods. Uh, you can also... Uh, donate to the show via Patreon at patreon.com slash single simulcast or at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. You can go to the tip jar. Every dollar that I get goes towards buying bullshit like this and also buying movies for hindsight and buying TV shows for uh, the RTO Podcast Network. Thank you so much for listening. Y'all be good. I'm a to holler at you later. Peace. The intro and outro to Ratchet Book Club